You know it's funny. People on the outside don't really get what's going on. But they always got something to say. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, where we discuss issues that impact black and millennial communities while having a good drink. So, folks, today I've got a very special um, longtime friend on the podcast with me. We are, just to, as, I, as I always kick it off, with the drink of choice today. My man brought, it's early, as y'all can see, pretty early in the day, so no whiskey on the table. We've got some coffee, um, Viking Ethiopian blend, a dark roast. I mean, it, it's amazing. I appreciate you bringing it through, man. Good job, bro. Uh, it's Wednesday, and I still got to go to work later <laughs> on. Got, got a staff meeting. Rob, I'm not drinking on the job. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to give y'all a bit of background, and then just we're going we're gonna to talk. So... JR and I grew up together. Went to, I think our first class together, we were Miss Buck's third grade. Miss Buck's third grade, yeah. Yep, yep. Sewell. Sewell, yep. Sewell Elementary. So we have uh, known each other. And I mean, we knew each other before then, but that was the first time we were in class together. You know, you're, you're kept in your groups as, as a child most of the time. But um, we've known each other for, what's that? It's about 10 years old, I think, third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's at least 20 years. At least 20 years, bro. And. Um, played sports on the playground together, played against each other, um, middle and high school football and basketball against each other, um, and then Sharp went to, to NCCU, played running back. Um, you play anything else while, while there? When I Both went to, uh, well, when I actually, uh, in college I played defense. So, okay. Yeah, in college I played, I played, started off as a DB and I played linebacker, a little bit of strong safety as well, so... Uh, traditionally known as an offensive-minded guy, but yeah. when I got to college, since I was recruited as an athlete, they stuck me on a defensive end. So when I played against him, he was a, a hell of a running back. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but yeah, I didn't make it to the college college level. Um, but yeah, great guy, criminal justice degree from Central, which is an amazing program. I actually worked in the law school there when I moved back to Durham, and we worked closely with the criminal justice department as far as like the fundraising went because we were saying we are. We have an undergrad program that filters people straight into here. So, I mean, very educated person um, as well as in the, the law enforcement profession now, which I love to see someone who took their degree and then is making it work in the community. It does a ton of work in the community. I mean, it, it's outside of the, the 8 to 5 or really y'all work longer hours than that, but just works tirelessly. Um, and a man of God, that, that's what I really should have led with. But, I mean, if, if y'all know him, if y'all, if y'all follow him, you can see it. The the brother is strong, uh, and, and y'all see that I think as a trend in who I try to surround myself with. Myself with uh, my guests. No offense to anyone of any other faith, but my brothers who hold me up are are men of God, and so I, I really am grateful for him. We're gonna we're gonna tell some some stories today, um, some truths. Jay, what else you got going? On? I know we uh, we talked about. Your, your profession, but also you got business, you got family. Tell us about yourself some more. Um, so yeah, man. Um, like 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 D said, man. You know, long time friends over twenty years, man. Born and raised in Chapel Hill. Uh, uh, went to we obviously went to opposite high schools, um, uh, and graduated North Carolina Central University, um, where I played in Lettering in college football. Played there for uh, went there for four and a half years, so played for five. So I registered my freshman season, but. Um, been in law enforcement, uh, going on 10 years um, here locally in Durham. Um, 
just recently got, you know, as of 2019, uh, last year, well, actually, yeah, well, actually, it was uh, 2019 I started my business. So, going into my second year of my business, uh, Six Pack Fuel, it's uh, nutritional guidance, uh, lifestyle, body transformation. I do um, physical fitness as well, some uh, specialized physical fitness instructor. So, I do some PT stuff. Um, and it's really just really absorbed with the body, um, talking about how we can change our, you know, my, my whole mantra is, you know, mind, body, and spirit, man. So obviously added my faith in there. Um, uh, but uh, father of, of two, uh, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. My oldest is uh, Emery and my youngest is Blake. Uh, married, been married for eight years. Um, so love my wife, um, beautiful woman, beautiful soul, but beautiful spirit. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm happy to, to, to raise a family here in Durham. Uh, and I'm excited about it, man. So, um, yeah, man, that's, that's a little piece about me, but we can continue to chop it up and yeah. see where it goes, brother. Yeah. Um, I, I'm always excited to see your take on, on things. Um, just in, in general, talking about the trajectory of not only America as a whole, but our, our community. Yeah. Um, you are invested in the community. This summer, if y'all follow my uh, photography page, D-Squared Visuals, I was able to capture... JR doing a cookout for kids in a couple different um, public housing areas of Durham and that's the face that you don't see of, of officers a lot of the times and, and law enforcement in general yeah. we we definitely see the challenges that, that come along with, with racial injustice and as a black man in America it is, it's a reality that we deal with and face but we don't see what you're trying to how the narrative you're trying to change a lot of times because the news doesn't doesn't cover that. It's not exciting. It's not sexy. It's not scaring people into into being in fear of you all. Correct. And um, talk talk about what made you really want to to change that that view worldview of, of police officers in Durham and, and across the country. Well, you know, the, I I think it starts with the foundation at the end of the day, uh, D man. It's like you know it, the the first question they ask you when you get in law enforcement. You know, everybody you know everybody always asks you, you know, why did you want to be a cop? You know, why did you want to do this and why did you want to do that and you know, the, the first uh, first thing that most people say is, you know, I want to help people. You know, it's a very general statement, but, you know, you want to help people, uh, but what type of people are you trying to help? Who are you trying to help? Um, why do you want to help people? Um, and I'm just a people's person, man. And, you know, being a man of God, trying to restore the faith uh, in the humanity, uh, it, it definitely pushes that. Um, but it, I, I just believe in being good to people, man. You know, that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's, it's rooted in, you know, the sin that we, we see in this world is rooted in our hearts, man. Uh, our flesh is sinful, and if we can change our hearts um, and, and have a, a care for people, uh, then it becomes natural for us to just want to see um, our people, uh, the human race, grow, uh, and you want to treat people well. You know, law enforcement is a very, um, it's a very complex career. Um, it's a very consuming career, if you allow it to be, uh, which is very hard, which I don't see. I don't really understand how people uh, are able to be in this profession and not be uh, solidified in some type of faith, yeah. uh, whichever you believe in. Uh, uh, and some faith is rooted in being good to people uh, and treating people well because it's a people person's job, man. So uh, it's, just, it's just who I am. You know what I mean? It's not anything that I necessarily wanted to change. Uh, there's things obviously I want to change in law enforcement, but uh, I think you change law enforcement by having people in the profession that change uh, change the makeup of it. That's what it boils down to at the end of the day, man. It's just about, you know, people talk all the time it's about good cops, bad cops, but it boils down to being good people and bad people at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So. Uh, if we can, if we can uh, put good people in, in positions uh, around to, to help people, I think we change that narrative in itself. So that's that's powerful. Um, what do you think can be done to strengthen the relationship 
between law enforcement and our community. Spe- speci- speaking specifically to right. the black community, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, you know, th- here's the thing. There's a, there's obviously a stigma um, between law enforcement and the black community. We we know what how that's rooted. We know um, how law enforcement started. And you got I think you got to understand the history of how law enforcement started. You know, even going back to the slave days, talking about slave patrols and how it was originated. Um, and then, you know, transforming and going on through slavery, through the civil, um, through the, uh, you know, uh, reconstruction. the reconstruction era. Yep. Um, and obviously the civil rights movement, yep. you know, uh, kind of see what the role that the police played in, in that. And we still, we still see a little bit of that today. Um, it's how we deal with the riots and things of that nature. It's, it's kind of the same thing. You know, history tends to really repeat itself. Um, I think we really got to start changing the behaviors in it um, more so. You know, and that's the biggest thing about being a black officer in a very diverse or very you know he- heavily African American uh, city. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to make those connections uh, with people and build that rapport. With people who look like you. You know, I can honestly say that I think people of color that I deal with on a, on a daily basis. Uh, probably appreciate seeing a black face uh, versus seeing somebody of another skin tone not because they're racist but it's just it's more uh, warming to them to have a familiar face um, so I think it's important uh, knowing the history of law enforcement knowing uh, the overwhelming majority of law enforcement officers being uh, of a different descent whether it be white um, obviously majority white profession um, I think it's very calming in the situations because we have to start thinking about the makeup uh, and the makeup of law enforcement. You know, our law enforcement officers, our law enforcement departments, our agencies have to start looking like the communities they serve in, uh, which is which is very important, man. But um, it's one of the reasons why I want to do it because I want to show young brothers and young sisters that hey, you can't be a law enforcement officer. It's not a negative stigma, um, but it's going to take people who look like us to. To, to patrol and serve people like us at the end of the day. I mean, it, that's what it boils down to the roots because we have to start serving one another uh, in the black community. Uh, we got to start being the face for one another, man. So um, it's, it's a very rewarding job, a very, very rewarding profession to be able to serve uh, as a black officer, man. Bro, that that is, is beautiful. Just the, the level of service. Like, you said the word serve genuinely yeah. a few times right there. And I think that speaks to... Um, to just Christ-likeness, you know, giving, giving of yourself, even sometimes at a, at a detriment, you know, when, when you put your life on the line in the, in the field, it's like, yo, I'm doing this because I believe in a better, a better derm. Is, is the smoke getting you? No, it's good. Right, cool. Um, yeah, I, I believe in a better derm. I believe in a better world. And I believe the kids need to see something different. And I think that's, that's something that you and I both wanted to give, you know, having been blessed with Phenomenal education in Chapel yeah. Hill, but seeing kids who drove around in nice cars and had had the material things yeah. we might not have had at right. the times, it's like okay, but you know what I do have? I have good character. Yeah. I have a heart of service. I have something that I I add value in this way to the world, and I think the value we add is much greater because we give. Right. Um, because we give people opportunities, we give people vision, and, and that makes me want to jump into your business. Right. So you started. You're like, you know what? Law enforcement, this is my, my job, but we know how, how money works these days. Mm-hmm. The world keeps getting more expensive and the raises don't match. Yeah, man. Um, so, so talk about your business, son. Um, so my business, uh, Six Pack Fuel, kind of originated, uh, kind of really cool story. Um, I've always been, you know, an athlete, obviously played sports. And then here in, you know, did my first bodybuilding show back in 2019. Um, became a physical fitness instructor back in 2019 as, as well. And I got that certification through uh, the North Carolina Justice Academy. So, um, 
pretty much uh, certified in training uh, law enforcement officers in the physical fitness and nutrition um, all across North Carolina. Uh, so I, I do that. I serve in the academy. But I, I thought, man, you know, I'm getting all the certifications, uh, but what do I want to do with it? You know, my, the agencies are paying for it. You know, how can I turn around and, 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 and make a profit? Because this job isn't, you mean, this job isn't, or this career isn't, uh, yeah, the, you know, the security is, is nice, but, you know, what can I be doing in order to create some type of generational wealth for my children, for my family? Uh, and it's black entrepreneurship. I mean, uh, you, we have all these skills. We do all these things. We have specific habits or hobbies that we do, um, and we enjoy them. So why not, you know, and a lot of people kind of have a different take about that because people say, you know, you don't, you don't want to make your hobbies a job. Um, but it was something I was actually already doing. So uh, one of my buddies, who also is a law enforcement officer in Derby, said, man, I always watch your food. I see you cook it. I see you measure it. He said, man, I'm going to give you $250, and I want you to go to the grocery store, and I want you to cook out my food and package it for me. And we did that for the first two weeks. And um, he said, man, you know, I, I really enjoy this. You know, it's simple. I think you could make a profit off of it. So he came up with this you know, name. He threw out six-pack fuel. Uh, and it's been a wrap ever since, man. I just evolved it into nutritional guidance, doing body transformation, uh, changing people's lives, how they eat. Um, because I believe that um, if you ch- if we change who we, you know, what we eat, then we can control. That's one thing we do every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, yep. there's people who, and I can even say for myself, there's people who don't pray to God every day. There's mm-hmm. people who don't tell people that, that they love them every day. But eating food is one thing we do every day. It's a habit that we have. Uh, and if we can control that habit, then we can begin to filter out other things in our lives. You know what I mean? Like, I always tell my, my clients, I'm like, man, if you cannot, you know, if you can go 60 days without eating chocolate, if you can go 60 days without drinking alcohol it's going and, and develop a new lifestyle, it's going to be easy for you, uh, you know, not to cheat on your wife yep. or, or not to have, you know, not to be, be involved in watching pornography. Yep. Um, it's, it's an easy way for us to filter out those negative things we have in our life by changing our diets. It's those habits that we have to uh, master in order to master other things in our life, man. So Six Pack Fuel is one of those things. It's a, it's a nutritional guidance company, but kind of embodying that mind, body, spirit type deal, man. So I appreciate it and I love it. I'm going to put it out here uh, right now for the accountability. <laughs> I have, uh, for my 33rd year, man, Jesus here, I decided I am cutting back on my red meat intake. Nice. But really being focused on, okay. That's going to be hard for you, bro. It is. It is. <laughs> Not red meat. <laughs> this, but you, you, discipline. Discipline, that, that, You know, that's my thing. This year, my goal is discipline in, in all all facets of life. And I think it does start, it starts with my diet. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Fish. And w- so once a month, I'll give myself a red meat meal. Nice. Um, once a week, I can have any other meat. Okay. So that I don't lose the the ability to digest stuff well. But right. you know, I just want to take a year of like, let's let's be more like Christ in this in this thirty third year. That's let's good. discipline myself. And I mean, it, it it started with me knowing that I could do it because when you did my nutrition plan, I was like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm giving up all this. Th- we say giving up, but gaining. What am right. I gaining? What are you gaining? But uh, but I I put aside alcohol. I put aside you know white grains and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff and I felt better like, I went from I was the heaviest I'd ever been you know 195 right. went back down I said yo I want to lose 10 pounds this month done got down to 185 mm-hmm. working out every day like, so you really helped me to not only transform my body but transform like yo this is what discipline looks like right. and Desiree who's like yo you, you don't have enough discipline said oh okay right you, you got this um, so it was it, it's, it's definitely a, a testament to yeah. how you can really just work with people and change up not only their life their lifestyle but their mindset about themselves right so yeah appreciate that yeah, it's, it's a ministry for sure, brother. for sure it's definitely a ministry now I just want to talk about the, the 
recent occurrence. Um, and just, I talked about the work you do in the community. I talked about your your ability to connect with people, your, your business, your family man. And then, you know, I see on the on the news that there was uh, an offer. No, no, the first thing I saw was I saw it on a day after I saw that you were safe. I saw it on your on your Instagram story and had to reach out right away. But there was a um, a, a shooting involving you. And, you know, I know I know the investigation is still going on, but you were shot. Yeah. Your your personal car. Um how are you doing, man? First thing. Uh, I'm doing good, man. Um, you know, despite the the, the current uh, situation, I'm doing uh, really well. Um, it's a you know, it's definitely a life changing experience. But you know, I'm doing well, man. It's 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 good to be you know grounded in the faith. I think that's the number one thing that's going to help me uh, grow and heal from this situation. But um, I'm doing well, man. Physically and mentally. Uh, physically, I'm you know I'm doing extremely well. Mentally, it's going to take some time to kind of heal some of those some of those edges and cross some of those bridges. But um, we just take it one day at a time, bro. Yeah. yeah. You got home. What was the first thought that you had? Uh, when I got home, man, the first thought that I had was um, I was just, I was grateful. Bro. Yeah. That was that was the first thing. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the the strongest emotion I had. I was grateful. It was, it was good to to be home uh, after I left the hospital and I got to see my kids. It was just. Uh, uh, it was very rewarding in order to be able to make it home, um, to see them and hug them and embrace them. Uh, so I felt grateful, man, uh, just to be able to continue to, to breathe in uh, air uh, and, and put my feet uh, on the soft on soft ground, on soft earth, man. So it just felt good to still be grounded. Uh, so I, I've had plenty of discussions with people um, from all walks of life, yeah. um, all political views. One thing that I've said to people is... We all want to make it home at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't care who you... Unless you are a seriously ill individual or... Uh, and, and at that point, you probably need help more than anything. But we all sh- want to make it home to our families at the end of the day. And I think that's where we have to, to meet across the board. Yeah. You know? There there certainly are good... There are good people, there are bad people on, on all sides of things. But everybody's like, you know what? I want to see my, my mom again. I want to see my... My loved ones again. I want to, you know, I want to to enjoy the next day. And I was frustrated when I when I heard what had happened and did some more reading about it because I'm sitting here thinking, this is one of my good friends, longtime friends. You know, I lost my father, then he lost his father, and we reconnected over that and have been going hard ever since. Right. And now someone just about interrupted a ton of lives and a lot of the good work that's being done in the community did it ever make you regret putting that uniform on um no I don't want to say it really made me regret it um there's obviously a sense of guilt uh, that I felt um because I feel like I'm responsible for my family mm-hmm. you know what I mean I'm responsible for being there for them uh, and then working working in a profession that can take me away from them uh, is is a very very complex uh, thing to kind of process and deal with. So there was a little bit of feeling of guilt because um, of what I could, you know, potentially potentially and what I did put my family through. Uh, what how how that's going to affect them? You know how it's going to affect my wife um, psychologically? How it's going to affect my kids psychologically? 
so you know there's a, there's a huge risk about putting on that uniform and going to serve a community man because I you know I I leave what I cherish the most at home to protect uh, what you cherish the most uh, so it's it's definitely a little sense of guilt uh, of it's you know being a little bit selfish in a sense uh, because um, I'm their warrior I'm their you know I'm their their peace uh, I'm their you know I'm their shield you know what I mean so the fact that you know I have to go out and potentially uh, lose that uh, my family could potentially lose that definitely kind of eats at me a little bit but uh, it's a mission bro yeah. you know it's, it's a mission you know and, and I'm, I'm, I want to see this thing through uh, so it's never really a feeling of regret about doing it because I feel like I'm where I need to be um, and if I wasn't um, then I wouldn't have been I, it would have ended three weeks ago so yeah. Um, I, I appreciate you being their shield, their warrior, as well as you know mine and everyone else's in yeah. this community, because it's not it's it's one of the hardest professions that we have. But I think that we I, I'm one to quickly say uh, you know Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and that's every Black life. Mm-hmm. Like I I when when I heard about it and saw I'm like yo this is one of my good friends. Mm-hmm. I don't care who it is that's taking the life. We've got to go ahead and all say, "Hey, let's value life." Right. Let's all right. and you know, I'm not I'm not the one who's on the, the bandwagon of, "Hey, let's let's take the word black out of that." But let's value all life seriously. Right. right. Because when we stop valuing valuing life, then we're smacking God in the face. Right. And we're hurting ourselves in the long run. How many lives have been lost that could have cured cancer if they had Given you know, there the kids in Durham. I think there were about eight kids shot this summer. Mm-hmm. Which one of those kids was going to cure cancer? That's good. You know, which one of those kids was going to grow up to be the leader who who stopped violence or saved another life or just sparked the life that that did change the world? That's good. And we have to start valuing that because we don't know how many gifts we've taken out of. We don't know how many how many cures we've taken away from us. Right. Just because people can't value. The fact that I breathe, that you breathe, and that we all want to go home. And I th- and I think just to kind of you know to piggyback off what you said, man, uh, I-, I believe that too. You know, Black Lives Matter. I mean, they they do. You know I mean, that you can't really. A lot of people look at that statement uh, and they they see what's associated with. They see the antagonists uh, that associate themselves with that movement. They see what kind of stirs itself up uh, using that movement. Um, and there's a lot of people that have, in my opinion, there's a lot of political agendas and a lot mm-hmm. of political groups who have hijacked that movement uh, for their own gain. Um, but the statement itself, Black Lives Matter, you know, it, it, it only can't matter to, to, to everyone else. It has to matter for us, too. Um, yes. We have to start changing our own narrative, our own culture. Uh, we have to start caring about ourselves uh, and start changing that narrative internally before we can try to fix what's going on externally. We never really get to the true root issues as to why uh, these things are happening to us and how we can fix them on our end. Then how can we, how can we, we can't band together as one, as a black community. Then how can we t- fight uh, systemic racism and other uh, external things that are that are harming black culture if we can never be strong enough internally to fix those things because there's a lot of internal things that we have to now there are a lot of internal things that um, are, are root to black culture because of the external we yeah. talk about slavery and oh, yeah. the mindset uh, there's a lot of things that you know we can attribute our, our internal stresses or our internal issues from because of the external uh, but if we never really address those true internal issues that we have within our own culture um, then we can never stand together and, and, and fight systemic injustices and racism and everything else if we don't understand how we're made and why we feel the way we feel you know what I mean yeah 
and um, that that's deep. And I've been a strong proponent. I, I was talking to Desiree. Mm-hmm. You know, once our family starts to grow, we we did uh, premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done individual therapy before myself. Um, and I eventually want to do family. Like I want to, because there, there are so many things that we don't understand. That, yeah. that traumas that we endure and that we impose on others or make others endure that end up triggering things later on. It's like, okay, how can we nip this stuff in the, this stuff in the bud? Right. Because um, I don't know if you know, but my best man, he went to Central as well. And he, was, he went to Jordan. Okay. So he said, you know, he played lacrosse just to stay in shape during the spring. He's like, yo, the white kids. They get off of, uh, get out of practice, and they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to therapy. Mm-hmm. And, like, black people don't go to therapy. And it's like, yeah, but we have more baggage than anyone in this country. Anybody. The only people that might have the same are Native Americans, I think. Mm-hmm. But as far as from, the, from being in this country on, the baggage that generationally black people have, have taken on, we've got to start working through that. We've got to start talking through it. And definitely pray through it. You know, mm-hmm. go go to church, talk with your pastor, but go to a, a professional who can say, yo, Absolutely. you know what? You can. Just because society says you can't, you still are able to, to succeed. You're able to do this, that, and the other. But we're told, you know what? Going to therapy is for, for crazy people. Mm-hmm. That, that's what, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, you go to therapy? Yeah, you going to see wrong. a shrink, man? Yeah, something wrong with you, man. <laughs> like, you, you, you laid up on the couch with your feet up in the air, you know, talking to somebody. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> dude, trauma is one of the most... Uh, overlooked things that you know, not only in this country, man, but specifically for the black culture, and that's one of the things that you know I, I'm I'm thankful that I'm alive to talk about that situation and go through it because I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a very very high talking piece going forward, you know. And I can being a you know a victim of gun violence uh, and that type of trauma, and I've already you know I've, I was exposed to trauma as a child, you know. So I'm, it's a lot of baggage that we kind of that we. Uh, accrue over our lifetimes you know what i mean uh there's that same baggage that you may bring to your marriage mm-hmm. uh your wife has baggage that you may not even know about that's undiscovered uh that she may not even know about to even bring to you to talk about it so having you know these deep conversations talking to a therapist talking through that trauma uh, is very important there's a lot of trauma that i dealt with the child you know um my mom being exposed to drugs and a lot of abuse in the home uh drugs uh, just poverty in itself, you know, even in Chapel Hill, yep. you know, which is, oh, yeah. you know, a very, you know, Chapel Hill is a very, you know, Chapel Hill, yeah, man. Affluent, Chapel, Chapel is yeah, affluent, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not, you know, that's why I always <laughs> laugh, man. You know, I see these people now that we grew up with in Chapel Hill and they talk about how, how hood they are. I'm like, man, you you ain't hood from yeah. Chapel Hill, yeah, bro. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm not saying you scared or you weak, but uh, Chapel Hill was not faced with the same demographics or same type of issues that Durham is faced with, oh, yeah. but... Um, to get back what I was saying, we all accrue these 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 traumas over our lifetimes, you know, and it's and we expose ourselves to it um, through you know how we were raised, through our families, how our parents raised us, uh, the relationships that we've developed with people and friends. Uh, there's natural occurrences, whether it be a hurricane, a storm, or there may be uh, an accident that you'd yep. be involved in, a god forbid a shooting that you're involved in. There's some type of trauma that you're going to be exposed to. Maybe you saw somebody get killed. Uh, maybe you lost a parent. Uh, maybe you uh, were having issues dealing with that, which we are both accustomed yep. to. Um, there's trauma that we are naturally going to uh, meet up with, um, but it's how we process it. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we, uh, that I, I kind of say we kind of categorize and we kind of store away. Um, 
uh, and those things that we can kind of forget about. Uh, and being in law enforcement, there's things, man, that I've seen that I don't, I wish my kids, I wish you never have to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some stuff that humans are exposed to, uh, that you're exposed to being a law enforcement officer that the normal human isn't exposed to. Um, not Seeing dead kids isn't fun, bro. And I, I can tell you, I've seen it quite a few in my career. Uh, and having to myself is one of the things that kind of scar me and it sticks with me. Those things are hard to kind of uh, compartmentalize. Uh, so being exposed to that trauma uh, and then having been exposed to it uh, through your work, uh, through your personal lives, uh, if you're not able to talk through it and work through it, man, it can, it can really it can really do some damage. Uh, so it's about damage control at the end of the day. I was reading um, a couple months ago, um, forgot which tribe, but within Africa, uh-huh. when, warri- when warriors would go to war, come back, and if they had killed someone, they had to sit with the local shaman um, for 30 days mm-hmm. so that they could work through it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, therapy is not a new thing. It's just that for so long, we as black people were told, don't talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, don't cry, boy. Don't cry. Yeah, that's how, that's you know, what they tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't feel these emotions. And yeah, there's a time and place, I think, for everything. But if you got the emotion, God gave it to you. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I, um, you, you listened to my, my first All Emotion episode. Yeah, man. It, uh, it, it, was, it was that. It was the emotions that I was feeling very raw. But, you know, I could have lost a friend. Yeah. That's natural. And for us to try to push away natural emotions, that's what takes away our humanity. We have to embrace it. I mean, you think about it, man. Even on a on smaller scale, a situation that, that happened three weeks ago, think about, you know, obviously it was very traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. But think about, you know, and I don't consider myself to be, you know, anybody special, man. But, you know, uh, through this, I've learned that I really, uh, I inspire a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people, and I mean, uh, I mean something to a lot of people. So, uh, for that to happen, it's a traumatic experience, obviously for me. But think about how that trauma is expelled on anybody else. Think about how it affected you. Yeah. Think about how how it affected my wife. How it affected my friends. How it affected my coworkers. Uh, how it affected my mom. How it affected my brother. Yeah. Um, one situation, one occurrence of trauma doesn't just stop with the person who's who experienced it. It, it, it goes and it goes to any to everybody else. You know what I mean? Uh, so everybody's from a one small traumatic event. Think about how much that trauma is spread amongst the people you know. Um, not, maybe it's people that I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a citizen who sees that headline in the news um, and, it, and it's a traumatic experience for them to even think about that happening. Um, think about uh, the wives of other law enforcement officers who saw that in the news and what they're feeling about their husband or their wives in this profession and something like that potentially happening to them. So that trauma spreads, bro. It's, just, it's a wildfire. You know, that's what trauma is. Yep. Uh, um, even thinking about, you know, the proximity in which it happened from my home. Yeah. I'm like, there are, my, my big, one of my biggest fears, you know, you rode up and down Gear Street. Mm-hmm. I see a ton of Confederate flags. Yeah. I do, and I mean and those those things to me say, hey, you might not be welcome in this home. Mm-hmm. Um, but to know that 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 that's not the biggest concern mm-hmm. in within within my proximity, I'm like, wow. Um, it, it makes me not fearful, but just more aware. Yeah, absolutely, more aware of my surroundings. Um, you know, you play you played DB before. Mm-hmm. Keep your head on a swivel. 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 <laughs> Keep, that's, that's what it's about, man. Life is, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of cliche, man, but you talk talking about, you know, you, you remember that old speech, I think it was Any Given Sunday, 
uh, where the coach is giving that speech and he's talking about you know how life is a game of inches, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's, it's a game of inches, yep. bro. Um, and yep. you know that that one split second that you're not looking left, you're not looking right, you're not looking forward, you're not looking back. You're not having that 360 view, man. Uh, you can get caught off guard, man. Yep. It's literally it's literally a game of inches. Um, you know, so you got to really understand that. Um, and which is which is why I really appreciate football, man. Because yeah. football, man, oh, man. It, it teaches you about life, it bro. Does. You know what I mean? It teaches you. It teaches you. It teaches you about life. You know, if you can understand uh, the game in itself, how the game is, you know, it's you know fourth and inches, mm-hmm. bro. You know, you're, you're that close uh, to winning or losing. Um, so that's huge, bro. It's huge, man. Man, I appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate the service that you give, the sacrifices of your time, uh, and, and just you know, really, really investing in this community because, you know, your kids are going to need it, my kids are going to need it, nieces, nephews, friends, people I will never meet are going to need the sacrifices and the time that you've given and so it's greatly appreciated man you save lives man i i really appreciate it bro and i think the biggest thing man is like and i can always end with it man is and you start with it and you, you know i always talk about starting your, your day with god and ending your day with god man it's, it's it's who we are and who we rooted if we live a life uh, more like christ um, then we really change the world man that's how we really change it you know if i'm if i'm deeply rooted um, in my faith uh, if i'm grounded in my faith and i love how jesus loved uh, it's going to be easy. It's going to be easier for me to love other people. Um, and, I, and one of my favorite quotes that I end with, man, you know, Maya Angelou, she always talks about it. And I believe in this quote, man. People forget, they'll forget how you treat them. They'll forget what you said to them. But they will never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. They'll never forget how you made them feel. Uh, so that, that's important, man. Uh, and that, that, that's a daily thing. That's something that you have to really embody personally. Uh, and I think that's how we change the narrative. That's how we change the world. That's how we change our culture, man, going forward is we treat each other better. Good stuff, man. Appreciate you, bro. No doubt, brother. Thanks for tuning in today. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Narrow Podcast. That's N-A-R-R-O-W Podcast. Additionally, we love reviews, constructive criticism, feedback, and any topics you'd like to hear in the future. Thank you for your support. Catch you again next week. Same time, same place. Peace. The Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast is a subsidiary of Daniels Development and Branding, LLC, here for all of your fundraising, creative direction, and storytelling needs.